Carlos Frias, Miami Herald food editor, here every week with Amy Reyes. How you doing? What's going on? Nothing much. Just over here thinking about croquetas and stuff. We're down to our final four. That's like an evergreen thought. It thinking is. About croquetas. I'm never not thinking about croquetas. <laughs> yeah, so that croqueta poll, which is just like people writing their favorite croquetas, is like every, everybody's going crazy. People are voting like crazy on that poll. Insane. It's, it's pretty insane. And the biggest shocker is who's in the lead right now, Carlos. Let's have it. There is this place in Coral Gables that I have never been to called Well Fed, and they are like literally smashing the competition. At this point, we're going to have to go to Well Fed and see what is so special about these croquetas because they're ahead of Cow Bakery, they're ahead of uh, Versailles, and they're ahead of another sleeper, like a uh, sleeper ranker of Babe's, um, ¿cómo se llama? Babe's, Babe's Meat Encounter. Meat yeah. Encounter, yeah. Yeah, those guys are so, great. You don't say, okay, of, I don't know what a well-fed is, but I know they got good bots, good voting bots, or they got they lots got, of people that are voting. They got very enthusiastic fans. That's yes. what, what we can't say about them. Thousands fans voting by the thousands. So we'll they keep are. An eye they're on voting that. by the thousands. They're not giving up. They're like, we like these croquetas. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that uh, and see how that goes uh, until we get down to the final two and then the final, you know, and then which, which croqueta got the most online votes, and we'll find out who that is. Uh, no, but we have other stuff to talk about today. Uh, we have uh, Nunzio's, which is a restaurant that was out in the western suburbs. Um, it's a family Italian restaurant, and it's closing after 48 years. But it's one of those things, like, I've heard people say, oh, what a shame. But it's actually a pretty great story. Like, these folks, they came from Italy with nothing, with their, you know, their five kids. And now, like, their youngest of their kids is, is uh, uh, retiring so that little business provided for two generations of kids through, like, th through their, their, their working lives. So I think that's yeah. like a success. you got to applaud them. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. And in Miami, a, a restaurant that lasts, you know, 50 years and three generations, that's pretty, that's you know pretty what, awesome. You know what's funny is the owner is like, listen, when you write this, can, can, you, can you write it after we close already? I and, I was, and I was like, no, no, but people want to know. And he's like, all right, fine. It's just going to be crazy. And yeah. I was told, uh, uh, a colleague of ours uh, sent me a note saying that there was an hour and a half wait for a table oh yesterday my God. on a Wednesday night. Oh, my God. Everybody's loading up on their red sauce. On their red sauce, man. So That's sad, though. I guess, I guess go get yourself some Nunzios or don't. Give, give, the guy, give the guy a break and, and don't go see him, for God's sake. <laughs> no, do go see him. Let, him. let him go out with a bang. You know who you should go see is that they should go see uh, Old Greg's. Right. Yeah, because people... Tell us about uh, that place. Yeah, so, uh, so you remember this place. This is a place that kind of went viral online on Instagram. Basically, when all the restaurants shut down, this guy, um, Greg Tetzner and, his, and his, uh, his, his partner, his longtime partner, who's in the like food PR business, they just started baking pizzas out of their kitchen oven, like just as something to keep busy, something to kind of make ends meet. And because people had nothing better to do on Instagram and because all her friends are like influencers, it became like this huge viral hit and it took them two years but they they finally have, have opened they gave a birth to their restaurant. pandemic baby this yes they did <laughs> and it's it's got 10 fingers and 10 toes and 10 slices of pepperoni awesome yeah so that's so what I, did you what did you district. think of the pizza i thought the pizza was fantastic uh i I've, i'd had the square pizza and the recipes changed a little it's a little bit a little bit thinner uh and it's really great uh the the it's like a square pizza but he what he always wanted to do was make kind of this round chewy pizza and that's what they're doing now and it's it's really fantastic it's easily one of one of the best like um r like round pizzas that i've had in miami i think it's i think it's great like the dough kind of pulls apart it's chewy but not the kind where you're like your jaw hurts after you've had three <laughs> slices yeah exactly not like that papa john's chew like oh i hurt my cheek no mm -hmm. it's really good nice bueno listen i think we've kept our guest waiting long enough but i'm going to give him a little intro our guest today is zach stern now zach's name is synonymous with the best artisanal bread in miami he started baking bread out of his parents south dade garage a couple loaves at a time and people would stand in these long lines at farmers markets just to take him a loaf and now guess what he's a finalist for the one of the most prestigious awards in food the james beard award uh, and uh, and he's got this outstanding all kosher bakery in Winwood, but so success is in a straight line, right? Um, so we're gonna ask him about that journey from working his way across European farms, making goat cheese, being a goat farmer, uh, baking bread, 
Um, I want to ask him about why, as you can see, he shaved his distinctive beard during the pandemic. Uh, and I want to ask him about his Sawaseda accent, his love of Miami bass music, and why he got kicked out of Hebrew school. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Zach. What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. I don't mean to be a party pooper, but I cannot hear a word you're saying. You guys kind of sound like chipmunks, like oh, alien no. chipmunks that are purring constantly. Like purring chipmunks, really? It's it's. Uh, I just I can't understand what you guys are <laughs> oh, saying. Oh no, we will try to. We'll kind of like. Ah, ah. Kind of like that. Pierre, let's, purring let's put, chipmunks. Let's put uh, Zach backstage for a minute uh, to try to work out his issues, and then we'll we'll jabber on for a minute. Too bad we can't play his theme music. This he is had the a beauty. really great song selection. Yes, for he. Okay, so Zach. Uh, uh, every time that I've talked to him, he's like, man. Every time I'm on a podcast or any time I'm on like a like a like a any kind of like um, interview show or whatever, he goes, I always imagine that I would have entrance music like baseball batters coming up to bat, and he's like, and the entrance song would be Esa Morena from DJ Laz, which is like. I wish you could play it, but YouTube will flag us. There you go. Oops. I don't think YouTube hears it. So this is pretty interesting that this is the song that he wants to come in with. Okay, I'll stop it before we get in trouble. You know what? This is the beauty of a live broadcast, bro. Sometimes stuff is gonna go haywire, but that's okay. Yeah, it's all um, good. Let's let's talk about some of those other stuff, like the like, you know the, I, I did want to spend a little bit more time on Nunzios. Is I, I've never been to that place. Is that a place that that you went to, or did you know about it? No, I'd never been to Nunzios either. It, it's one of those, it's over by FIU, right? Yeah, I went over there and 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 I asked him. I said I spent some time with the the last remaining um, family member who's running it. This guy Roberto. Um, and Roberto is the young is the second youngest of five kids, and when you know when they got there when they got to this country he was fifteen so his parents like his dad was selling groceries out of the back of a car in, in Italy in Italy yeah yeah so so coming to America for them was like they had to remake an entire life so what I, what I thought was interesting is this idea that you know he uh, his wife um, um, the founder's wife Nunzio's wife. Um, Gilda, she contacted a, a cousin that she had in New York uh, who worked in a restaurant. A restaurant was called Mario's. And she was like, can you sponsor us as a family to come to the U.S.? Um, and we will work at the restaurant. You know, we, we want to we have some ability to work. So they worked out a deal where she was leaving New York and they were leaving Italy. And they all kind of met as a family in Miami. In the suburbs of Miami, imagine in 1974, Right. Imagine, imagine what that part of like west of Westchester. I guess technically right, right, right. it might be Westchester, but I think it's west of it. Yeah, I so think like, you're right. Oh, I think it's west of Westchester. So because Westchester goes to like 87, like, right? Yeah, I think so. Like 97th max. I think it's west of Westchester. They started at a little um, uh, at the um, shopping center. You know, that's right across from FIU, right on mm -hmm. Corway and, and 97th. And then there was a fire, and they moved out to this other spot, and they were there for another. 20 years or what have you and um and they and it's just like there's nothing they were like there's nothing particularly amazing about what they did other than they just had these classic italian-american red sauce recipes that they had kind of that their their you know the guy's wife's family had perfected over decades you know mm -hmm. and they just did them consistently every week you know and and people love they just that. built up their following did yeah. did they say why not the, the the next generation didn't want to continue you know, there's so much of that. I think uh, I think they just didn't have any kids that that were interested in it. You know, like sometimes you're lucky, and a kid or a grandkid has an interest in the family business, and they want to take it up, and they want to like do their do it their own way, maybe something that that fee or they want to continue the parents' tradition, something that they feel connected to the restaurant. But I think they kind of graduated to you know kids that wanted to have different professional careers. You know, and nobody ever really really put their arms around it. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I think a restaurant's a little bit like, is a little bit like an artist, you know? Like, it right. exists ex as long as the passion of this person exists. And when that person either dies, which, you know, the, the family patriarch died in 2016, I want to say. Um, the mother in 15 and he in 16, when the family 
you know, um, patriarch dies, you kind of, you're, you're left with um, people trying to decide, do they, do I love this enough to do it again, you know? Right. And I guess the answer is they, that one person, which is all that was left, one person alone couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. No, I wish I would have gotten a chance to go. I had never been to, I'd never even heard of the place, honestly. And I live over west. Yeah. But you know what? That's Miami, too. Miami, a lot of those, a lot of those old-time mom and pops are actually, I think, being replaced by, like, new mom and pops. Really yeah. is what it comes down to. Like, look at old Greg's, since we were mm-hmm. talking about that earlier. I mean, it doesn't, it really doesn't, I mean, other than that they don't have kids, it doesn't get any more mom and pop than that, right? Right. Like, they have, they are, um, it's, you know, I, I think he's 30, Greg Tetzner's 30, Jackie Ritchie, uh, his, his partner, is 34, I think. Uh, she calls herself a cougar, but I, I don't know if she qualifies in that <laughs> category. <laughs> uh, I, and, and it's like, you know what? And you can't go wrong with pizza. I mean, you no. could. There's, there's such a thing. But even like bad pizza, even bad pizza is good pizza. But their pizza mm-hmm. is actually really great. Oh, you know what? This um, this venue, Old Greg's, is going to be on your um your next week's cover of the um, Miami Herald, we're going to put in print for all of the readers, the print readers, uh, something that we've had online for a long time, which is Carlos's uh, Locals Guide to Miami Restaurants. And um, that restaurant and all of his favorite picks are going to be on display. So you can you can actually have a physical piece of paper copy in your hands, which is like very old timey timey. But it's also actually very helpful because if you like to have that for reference, the reason why Carlos did that whole guide was uh, because we always were annoying him, asking him, where should we go? Where should we you know, where, where's your favorite place to go? Because Carlos is usually the guy that you go to when you want to know where should I eat? And he's one of those people that's never going to send you to a chain and he's not going to send you to a place that's not, you know, it's not like a super Miami place. And it's, it's a really comprehensive guide to different areas of, of Miami, but it's, it's the Carlos guide. So everybody should look out for that. Cool. I hope people Wait, enjoy Wait, oh my that. God. Are we how, chipmunks? How about now? We got, we got Zach back. Are we chipmunks or are we humans? You guys are perfect. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> that was my yes. fault. <laughs> oh, we actually played your song. You got we the played Jason your Statham song because going. we were like, well, you know, he's not here. I missed my entrance music. You did miss your entrance music. See? Yeah, there you go. See? You got it? He's about to twerk in his oh, bakery. All right. I, it's got to be it like cranked up. <laughs> I turned it off before YouTube uh, flags us. There we go. So so, okay. fir- so fir- first of all, how did it feel for you? Because I know we chatted about it a little bit when you got this news that you had been you had been named a finalist not just a nominee but a finalist for a james beard award i felt great i mean who wouldn't feel great no but it's more complex it's more complex than that than just like that feels good right it's some kind of like um validation Uh, definitely uh um no i don't think it's validation it's just recognition for all there's been a lot of years getting to where we are today, and we're certainly not done with where we're going, but it hasn't been all positive. <laughs> it's been like ups and downs, and it's um, all of that emotion, all of the up, all of the down, all the anxiety, all the frustration, all the tears. It all just kind of bubbles up in that moment, and you just feel that emotion, and it's hard to put words to describe that. It's just emotional. Yeah. And I think I think if you just look at the scene behind you, that's Zach the Baker. Like those those half dozen dozen people constantly in constant motion. Like Zach the Baker is not the guy in just the guy in front of me. He's the guy with the vision. But those people back there kind of make that all happen. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's uh, it's certainly more than just me. That award I'm representing it, but it's uh, it's us as a team. It's also us as a community because uh, Zach the Baker is all the people kind of lifting us up and putting us on their shoulders throughout the years and nurturing us. Um, it's it's way more than just me. I am the figurehead and I'm I'm the one that's been uh, um, driving the ship. But uh, certainly, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of us. So so tell me about that because Zach Zach the Baker, the logo on the bread is this uh, traditional looking guy with the beard the way that you looked you know two two three years ago and you were you look different now you shaved the beard 
Can you talk? I, I heard you mention sometimes about the uh, the separation between Zach the man, Zach Stern the man, and Zach the baker, the business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Separating those things. Yeah, I I, I think anyone, any um, any entrepreneur, or business owner, or someone who's passionate about their work, uh, at a certain point of doing it, after so many years, they sort there tends to be this kind of a uh, this blending uh, or this melting of your personal identity and your professional identity and at some point it just all becomes this one uh, glob of an identity and at a certain point I wanted to try and create some some separation between the two um, so that I can allow my personal identity and also our professional one to evolve on their own path because uh, uh, they're not necessarily the same Zach the Baker the the character is 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 not a real thing it's like it's a fictionalized um hyperbole of myself it's it's sort of like if i had a wrestling character it would be zach the baker and he would be <laughs> that's this, your nacho libre this, you got it yeah he's this like radical centrist uh stoic um that is in, like joy and and wonder and he's a character right and i i didn't want to be a character i wanted to be zach but I still want and to give space for that cooler, character. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, there's also like all the, I'm being way more spiritual about it, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> behind a mask, it's so much more functional and, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy about that. It gives me some space to evolve as a person and, and I don't feel stuck representing the company when I'm home, when I'm out, you know what I mean? Right. Definitely. But you, but that Zach character was you for a time. Like as as we talked about in the past, you were a little bit of a rudderless kid after like graduation, um, in the sense that you were kind of searching. You didn't know like what your next thing was gonna be. You didn't have like a, a very set life plan. Let's say, what what was your life like upon grad? Like who was like you were a baggy pants Miami based kid in South Dade, right? Uh, who was interested in pharmaceuticals in more than one way, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I think I was a pretty typical Miami privileged kid from the suburbs. Um, what suburb and, uh, are which suburb are you from? Where are you from exactly? Um, so I'm from Kendall, down by the hammocks. And then when I was a little bit older, around um, I don't know, ten or so, we moved towards the Falls area. So, so do you live near? Did you live near St. John Newman? Oh, gosh, yeah, we used to bike there to St. John Newman. They had this little ditch where we would get into trouble behind it. Yeah, St. Mm -hmm. John Newman was, I went to Leewood Elementary, so it was that whole. You went whole, to Leewood, then did you go to Killian? Yeah. I went to Killian, but only after I did Palmetto. This is the tour of elementary schools in Palmetto, and then I left and went to Killian for two years. I finished at Killian. Okay, yeah. so that's my neighborhood, Carlos. He lived in my neighborhood. I know. Don't make him say his addresses again like you did <laughs> La Alex Blackamore, <laughs> and we had to go edit those addresses out of the video. He's like, bro, my cousin still lives there, bro. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway. But, uh, I, think but, anyone, I think anyone that grows up in that area, it, it's, it's impossible not to be impressionable with all the influences going around me. And sure, I grew up in like a gringo house, uh, like a non-religious Jewish gringo house in Kendall. But Miami just seeps through, uh, and um, and it kind of influenced me. We would have we talked about it. We'd have booty dances, and we would listen to DJ Laz on, and we listen to Roll Call and Ninety Nine Jams on the way to school in my mom's car. <laughs> you know, like so. Right. Uh, this is what makes uh, Miami Miami, right? Well, this over is the, by this is our culture. This neighborhood in general, like we're right by the JCC. My kid went to kindergarten there. And then the, the Leewood area, a lot of the um, kids who went to the JCC, they go to that school too. So it's, it's a very mixed area in, in, in this particular part too. But so did yeah. you did, did you always want to open a shop in Wynwood in particular? Or did you, were you looking all over the city when you decided that you wanted to have a, to have a place? Uh, no. No, I, none of this was some master plan. I wouldn't have called my the path rudderless. It was just like this this journey, and then things would happen, and then we'd get shifted, and then eventually when I was baking in the garage, uh, the, uh, the question was, all right, what's next? So then there was the commissary, actually, before Wynwood, which was in Hialeah, near the fifth shop, Red, White, and Blue. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, at that point, uh, it it was a realization that we were, we were just too big for what we're doing. But the leap from commissary 
to retail is a big leap and it requires a lot of uh, real estate savvy and money uh, and it also requires uh, you know you're open for service <laughs> right it's not just baking in the warehouse anymore so it was a big leap and it was scary uh, but we, we had a lot of help our, our uh, real estate developers uh, they were they were really helpful I was so naive back then I didn't know what I was doing um, so <laughs> did you get into Winwood before? Did you get into Winwood at, at like a prime moment though? Like was it, it like if you were trying to get into Winwood prime, now? Like real estate prime? Yeah. <laughs> now you own the you property if you got in a prime, prime moment. moment. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Did you get in before it got too crazy? Like if you were looking for a space right now, would you be able to go into Winwood? As an, yeah, I mean, I got into Winwood when it was just emerging, um, right. and I and I was attracted to Winwood because there was this local independent craftsman movement happening in this one concentrated area and i wanted to be part of that and contribute to that because that was something that that spoke to me uh there was um there was the winwood brewery there was panther obviously um, matt sherman from hugo fresh was right down the corner there was this local independent thing happening and and it was real and it was honest and it was exciting for all of us and then you know in miami fashion uh, got a lot of people's attention and they saw opportunity and it just exploded and what should have taken 25, 30 years to grow, you know, organically, it took five years. <laughs> right. And here we are. But Zach, yeah. you you did something uh, speaking to that artisanal nature and people that wanted to learn a craft. You did that overseas. And then you had people that would kind of stay and, and intern with you here in, in Miami also, right? Like folks who were just learning. The, you were learning from them. They were learning from you. Talk to me about that a little bit. I thought that was so fascinating. It was very bohemian. Yeah, that was uh, very bohemian. Once upon a time, I was very bohemian. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, start there. Start start with what you were doing in Italy and Israel, like what that that looked like. Uh, so the the learning of, of the craft was uh, I was basically living on farms doing work trades and hope that I can learn something along the way. Uh, and so I would, I would basically, I would go to these farmers. I had a list of all the organic farmers and I would say, Hey, uh, um, I can work for you for, you know, for the day. And, and, uh, can you give me room and board? And I would pick places that I thought I can learn something from. And, uh, some of the places that I picked were great and I learned a lot from, and some of them were not, you know, I didn't always, uh, make connection, but when I did connect, I would stay there for at least a year at a time. And, and, uh, I feel like Along with the craft that I learned, I also learned uh, the work ethic, just how to work hard all day, all, <laughs> from the sun up to the sundown, and uh, kind of this country farmer uh, humility, right? Uh, a little bit more connected to the basics of life. That, that's it's harder to feel that in the city. It's still here. I think all of that, you know, connection it exists in the city. It's just there's a lot more distractions that make it difficult for us to make those connections in the city. That, that was quite a leap for you, right? Because your parents were not farmers, right? Your dad was, what, your mom and dad, no what did they do candle. for a living? <laughs> My dad uh, worked at Saks Fifth Avenue in Bell Harbor. Right, okay. Uh, he was a salesman in the shoe department. So a lot of the ladies in Miami know him <laughs> and still know him. <laughs> And uh, my mom was an administrator at a local uh, fireplace store down in, in uh, on US-1. And so, no, uh, agriculture, craftsmanship, uh, culinary, none of those things were found in my house. But in my house, there was a, um, an openness to go and find what it is that you do want and love. And so there was a, there was a lot of support for my rebelliousness. And I think the rebelliousness that they saw early on was kind of like an kind of uh, young and out of control a little bit. But as I got older, the rebelliousness is I was rebelling against what I was missing here in Miami. I, I was longing for an archetype that, that I related to. Uh, and it, it was craftsmanship and it was uh, culinary and uh, agriculture, all those things I wanted to learn. I, I, I just didn't know what it was, you know? And once I went out there and started to find it, it just, I went, I went nuts, I went off, yeah. And they were really supportive. And those things are, what you're talking about is things that are physical and tangible, a thing that at the end of the day, you've made something and you can hold it in your hands. Yeah, yeah, creating something from nothing. Yeah, there's something very satisfying about that and there's something very satisfying I discovered about um, being a part of the process 
uh, I think typically processed foods get a bad rack, but I don't think it has to be. I think we could, if we're a part of the process, uh, processed foods like bread and cheese and all these incredible processes of, of life um, can be beautiful. Uh, we've just, over the years, I'm sure we all know, like we've become a, a bit distant from the processes. And so that's part of the, the mission here is to connect the consumer and the producer and share the process so uh, we can see it, we're connected with it. Now, there, there, are two ways, there are two ways that I know that your parents are proud of you. One is that your mom was a regular, a, a cashier, a, not just cashier, a kind of a do-everything at, at your bakeries, even from the beginning, right? Mom and dad at some point, right? Oh, yeah. My, my mom used to help occasionally do deliveries. She would go to Mishi's, Michelle Bernstein's place, and embarrass me and walk in with a bag of bread. She's like, I'm Zach the Baker's mom. <laughs> you know, she just drove me nuts. Like, can't you just drop the bread off? And You don't have and to talk to anyone, yourself? mom. But uh, at this point, I get it. And Carlos, actually, you've helped me understand that, that uh, it gives her a lot of pride to, and knock us as we say, and uh, I think she really enjoys it. So every cool. every dinner she goes to, she'll mention it to the waiter. Well, to and wit, the boy to wit, you're one of the best online reviews that you have is from your dad, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and another and and another one is uh, an email that I got earlier this week that reads oh. in part that reads in part. Harvey and I are very happy about this article about Zach making the <laughs> finalist of the James Beard Award. He's an amazing kid, and of course. We are so proud of him. Hercules, Hercules, oh, Carlos, Hercules, Leslie, and, Hercules. Leslie and Harvey Stern. Hercules, Hercules, yes. Hercules. We are so, so proud of our baby. <laughs> That's it, guys. Aww. I have been overwhelmed with uh, support and love. And when I talk about being privileged, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about that. I, and, and oftentimes it's embarrassing, right? And I prefer you know not to be around when that's happening. But the reality is it's an it's an incredible privilege to have that amount of emotional support from parents. And uh, I hope that I can give that to my kids like my parents gave to me. You, you've really had um, quite the Miami experience, I think, as a person. Look at him shaking his head. He's like, he's like <laughs> is this jerk. my life? You read the whole email. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I didn't read the whole email. I spared you. <laughs> I spared oh, you. I only read it in part. That's how, he didn't, that's he didn't I show like the you. picture she sent too. Here's <laughs> oh, Zach as a little boy. Look at him without pajamas. Pa look at him out in the yard without his pants. Actually, his mom doesn't sound like that at all. But. Not at all. But when I caricature my parents, it's always that. It's always like a New York Jewish mom and dad. Zachy, put on your pants. Stop running around naked in the backyard. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Great podcast, guys. All right. Thank you. Uh, uh, so, okay, so uh, to get a little bit serious, um, you the pandemic came and everybody... It's funny because this, this bakery, I feel like it's something that you're learning with everything along the way. I, I kind of have seen, you know, as you expand to a new location and like, all right, now we're delivering to 10 places and now it's 100 places. Now I have 200 accounts and now I'm in all the Whole Foods. Um, and then all of that came to a kind of a crashing halt at, you know, with the pandemic. And you had this, this production facility, right, where you're still making bread for all these places. But then you also had this, this uh, cafe and you're balancing these two things. Are you, what can you say about that time? Like, what was that like for you and, and overcoming some of those, sort of those challenges, you know? I think uh, our time was like everyone else's time. And you know you were there, Carlos. You, yeah. you saw me in that moment. It was a scary, <clears throat> a scary moment. Um, the bakery was uh, effectively cut in half, right? The cafe is closed. People are coming up to the, to the counter to, to buy things. But we were scared. We didn't know what the future was. We didn't know what tomorrow was. We didn't know how long it was going to be. Um, so there was all of that. Uh, we didn't know if there's going to be government support either at that time like we were just bleeding money and then meanwhile i've got like my personal things and my my kids they they live in israel and so uh how am i supposed to go see them um so right you had a really, really that was a really because uh, i have three daughters you know and i'm and i'm you know i haven't been married in a long time so trying to keep a, and establish a relationship with them and be a good father to them is is difficult even when you are you know, I, I live within 10 miles of them, 
and for a time there they were they go back and forth right like they mostly live in Israel now with uh, with your your ex-partner your ex-wife and and you're here and I know that especially during the pandemic when you can travel that that was that must have been incredibly difficult I can only imagine yeah it was it was difficult I mean every everyone in the industry whether it was the operators or whether it was the the team everyone was scared at that point and we were scared too and uh, we didn't know what the future was going to be and uh, there was a lot there now looking back there's a lot that we can learn from that I think um, there's a lot of things I'm very proud of what we did there's some things that I know we could have done better um, and uh, I think like anything in business and in, and in life you know we look back without judgment and see what what happened why did it happen and what can we do to improve that in the future and, and that really you know that it's a really strong moment the COVID, but that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for 10 years now. It's uh, looking back, trying to do it without too much judgment uh, and guilt and shame and trying to be honest about you know, our, our weaknesses and our strengths. We, we are very much a, uh, a real independent bakery um, that is trying to be better. Uh, and on the outside, a lot of people, you know, they really want us to be their hero. And, uh, but the reality is, uh, we, we have a lot to learn still. Uh, we've come a long way, but we have we have so much more to learn. And the more exactly. time we spend. I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead. What do you think? Like, what is the, the biggest lesson that you learned from that period? Oh, my God. Wait a second. Oh gosh. Who is that bro in the gorilla suit behind you? <laughs> Turn around right now. <laughs> Other side. Other side. <laughs> There's a man in a gorilla suit behind him. You know, it's a really tough labor market right now. And <laughs> the focus really needs to be on retention because, and he's a little prickly. He's got anger issues, but I think when he's sweeping, he gets in the zone. Calm. He gets in the zone. I, and that's where we are right now. It's a really tough labor market. So you, I think everyone, not just us, is doing whatever they can to, to get by with grace and yeah. And he works for bananas, so that's uh, the guy in the grill. Uh, the, grill oh, yeah. the, the grill man works in bananas, so that's. <laughs> he's actually he's been with us for a long time, and he's come a long way also. Uh, I, I, I know. Just... That, I know that you have fun in that bakery. Like every time that I see you there, and I see you there often when I when I've just popped in, because you you don't often see the owner of the business in the place, you know. And I often see you there, and when you're there, you never have this uh, that that that. Uh, co- face of consternation. You are people there the are consistently having owner. fun. Yeah, pursuit. <laughs> Maybe you've just caught me when I've had enough food in my belly because I'm a grumpy dude when when I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, you get hangry. Of course, yeah. But uh, I like being at the bakery. Um, I like being present. I think that's what makes a place special. When I go to Boya Day uh, and I see uh, Lucci and Alex there, you know, working. Um, like running the place, it makes me feel uh, happy that I'm I'm in their home. You know, there's an intimacy, and I want that intimacy here. Even though that we've grown and we've gotten bigger, I think I think it's a it's important, and that's really influenced our growth strategy too. Is we want to stay on a human size, like we want to keep growing and evolving and 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 becoming whatever we we can become, but at a pace that we're comfortable with, and uh, something that we can keep the intimacy with the community. I think it's important. You know, you said something once to me that, that has always stuck with me. He's, you said that it's, it's odd to have people um, uh, celebrate artisans, but you're like, I guess that's better than, than what Miami usually does, which is, uh, which is celebrate uh, Lamborghinis and, and uh, sex and Lamborghinis, you know? Yeah, I'll take it. I, I think it's odd to... to Celebrityism in general, I, I think, is is a bit strange on both sides of it, right? Um, but I I welcome the balance in Miami. You know, we all know what Miami is and what what Miami isn't, and I think it's important instead of focusing on all the things that we don't like, right? Focus on the things that that we want to see in Miami. And if they're gonna celebrate uh, a, a craftsman that's making pure sourdough bread, that's an independent local bakery, well, shit, that's great. I think, um, and I think, if that can hopefully inspire a few more people to keep their their uh, their business um, local and, and independent, so we can 
continue to foster this culture of, of Miami culture, you know, and, instead of just continuing to bring it in from New York and California or, or wherever, I think that's a good thing. I'm, I'm all for it. All right. So can I ask you about one of those very Miami moments? Uh, this was like a couple of years ago. I think, you know, I had only written about you once or twice. And then uh, one of your bakery trucks was on the news, like the O.J. Simpson truck driving through Miami. Your, ba- your bakery trucks are these white commercial trucks that just says in big, bold black letters on the side, bakery. And it's being chased by police. What was happening, bro? And, and, and who was it that uh, Telemundo was the one that called our phone and told me about it? That's how I found out about it. They wanted <laughs> That's to get so a- perfect. That's, that could <laughs> not have been more perfect. Uh, you know, it's a really wild thing from the outside. From the inside, though, it was kind of scary yeah. because we have six white trucks that all look identical. This is like a scene out of Die Hard. I don't know which oh one. Oh, my God. Uh, and all of our trucks were getting pulled over uh, with guns out. And oh, you wow. can imagine how terrified some of our drivers were when they got pulled over, guns out. Um, it, we were scared. Oh we we were scared, honestly. I know, like, when it settled, we all, like, laughed about it and thought, wow, this is ridiculous, only in Miami. Uh, but the reality is it, it, it was kind of a terrifying day for us. <laughs> God, well, that you know, you're telling that story, and I see the guy in the gorilla suit behind you, and it just kind of, as the British say, it takes the piss out of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you've had, but you've you've managed to find a way to like roll with these punches. Like a few years ago, people forget that there was a whole Zika outbreak in right? that started in Winwood, and that like affected businesses in Winwood. That was like that was like a, a a COVID training ground. Yeah, it was like pre-COVID. And and you did like a whole limpieza. You had I re, I always remember there was video of you doing a limpieza, like putting an altar or something. Yeah, uh, I mean, what more can you do? The reality is, when we get punched, it still hurts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it hurts, and um, it's no fun. It is a part of the process, right? Of learning is is getting kind of uh, smacked in the face a little bit, and facing the reality that we still have more to learn. And um, as great as everyone continues to say that we are, we know our reality and that we have flaws and we got a lot to work on. But that being said, uh, there is a, uh, an effort to, to make space for joy. Um, our work is really hard. It's uh, very physical. It's very repetitive. It's, it's every day creating something from nothing, go through the whole process, and then the next day, like... Uh, like the sand, like the sand artists, uh, the of the Buddhist monks, just disappears and we start it all over again. And that's hard. It's hard work. Um, so it's nice to make space for joy when we can. Uh, it's just we have to be humble and honest about like not every moment is a time for joy. Sometimes it's a moment of reflection and and uh, and honesty. And we've had plenty of those. And COVID was a big one of those. Um, and we slowly crawled our way and get back at it one of the reasons i think that we we keep we stay strong is because first of all we're independent we don't have any financial partners that are forcing us to to grow any faster than we need to so that keeps us at at the right size that we need to be to kind of handle a hurricane a zika right uh um, a, a pandemic and it gives us a chance to to build our roots deep like a taproot um, that way if, if the winds start blowing you know we're not going to topple over. And, and that's a, this is one of the big reasons why I think independent business is so important because if you don't have all the money in the world to spend to grow and grow and grow, your growth is moderated by the amount of money that you actually make, <laughs> right? So our growth yeah. is incremental and it's moderate and it's, it's, it's humble. Um, and so therefore we're able to withstand things that come our way. Yeah, Carlos and I, were we were talking about that before, that the, the people that were able to kind of survive and some sometimes thrive in the pandemic were people who didn't have a lot of infrastructure, people who didn't have like a lot of uh, financial demands on them and they were more nimble and they could they could contract easily because they, there weren't as many pressures on them. And then the people who just had no overhead at all, people who were working fr- from Instagram and, you know, delivering from, you know, from the apps and stuff. So in your situation, how how much expansion would you would you consider before you're like I don't want to I don't want to 
do this anymore? Like, would you ever like open a Zach the Baker and Kendall or like open? You, you know what I'm saying? Would you look at you, you angling? Look I'm at you saying, angling. I'm... Get out of your house. Get in your car. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where do you live again? Kendall. What's your address? Kendall. Over by. Over uh, by. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying. Like, have you been presented with the idea of like I could really expand, but I don't know if I don't know if I can handle it. You know. We get we get. Um, we get offered a lot to, to expand. The people come in here and they see the success of what's going on. They see, you know, it packed and they think, oh, let's just go replicate this in New York, in um, Aventura, L.A., whatever, right? And I take that as them, as like a pride, like, oh, thank you. You like our, you like what we're doing, but it's actually not necessarily a great idea to go and try to replicate this somewhere. Um, I... I think we have a long way to go before we can even begin that conversation because we are not the bakery we I want us to be. Um, and if we start replicating what we have now, we're going to be replicating a, a flawed model, right? And so it's not necessarily going to be a success if it opens in New York. And then also, I don't necessarily want to open up bakeries all over the country. That doesn't sound like a, a particularly great life, right? Um, this is manageable right now and uh i think i think we have a long way to go before we even entertain that that conversation you you mentioned about finding joy especially in a business that's tough that's hard that's you know physically laborious even um physically exhausting so what are some of the things in the last couple of years that have brought you joy that have really been sources of joy for you places that you go to when you need to be happy or smile or just laugh I think one of the one of the main things is uh, just making time for myself uh, personally to allow me to continue to evolve and grow as a human. Uh, when when I open the business, I feel like my personal self just kind of got stunted at at twenty six when I when I opened right. So all of my wow, literature wow. and music, uh, everything just stopped because all of my creative and physical and mental and spiritual energy went into the bakery. Uh, and then I had children, so then it went into the children. Right. So it's a lot of um, giving of, of energy, and uh, it took some time to realize that I need energy for myself too, uh, and I want that. And um, yeah, there there was a lot of kind of a guilt to get over of like, uh, oh, it's not okay to give to myself because the the bakery needs me. There's always something going on, or my or my children, but the reality is in order for me to a good dad or a good leader at the bakery, I've got to be on solid footing. So literature, what are you reading? What things have you read right now? Or, or what have you, yeah, right now, and what have you read that it's like, oh, I'm so glad I got around to that or something that, that was unexpected? Right now is uh, Shuggy Bane. Have you guys heard of Shuggy Bane? Um, it's a great, I, I mostly like fiction. Okay, fiction. same here. Shuggy yeah. Bane is the one I'm reading now. The last one was uh, The Vanishing Half. Yeah. I don't know okay. if you've heard of that one. And then uh, the one before that was When We Cease to Understand What We Know, which is really interesting. It was kind of fiction, kind of nonfiction. Um, it felt like a whole new genre in itself, um, mostly about uh, science and physics uh, and something that I really normally wouldn't get into, but it was fascinating. Um, but yeah, just fiction. Do you feel like that's something that's uh, you've like you're coming back around to like having like you said having those that time in your period where you were working and you were parenting and and you were hustling you know uh where you're kind of leaning back a little bit to like bohemian zach where like all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna enjoy some things in life i'm gonna enjoy what i'm doing every day i mean essentially yeah i don't know if it's still gonna be bohemian zach i've gone through all these uh i don't know evolutions when mm -hmm. i started i was kind of like uh sports Zach and then it turned into like um, I don't know a little preppy Zach and then it went into you know two subwoofers in my trunk Zach with the yes. Fedora chain yes. and then it kind of moved into like classic rock Zach which then kind of went into hippie Zach and I think you know it's we, we want to put these labels on what it is it's just tasting parts of life and trying things on and seeing what fits and what feels right but you need to have some space for that exploration, and I want to keep exploring. Uh, I don't want to just be locked in at 26-year-old entrepreneurial hustle, Zach. I'm, I want to keep growing as a person. All right, let's go through it. Who was Sports Zach into? What was Sports Zach into? 
sports sack was like I was my parents' kids. You know, I was my parents' kid. I played baseball, right? I played basketball. Um, what were you best yeah, at? Yeah, I wore like. Uh, and what did I was you like being? And what, and what did you like most? Because sometimes you're not the best at what you like most. I was pretty good at, at most sports. Baseball, I, I really enjoyed baseball. I still have like these dreams of going back and, you know, getting a chance to play again in Little League. I have some great memories of that. Well, you should just that's live mostly... that out through your children. That's what you're supposed to do now. <laughs> right, right. You yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> just great parenting advice. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Remember that. Amy's doing so, that now with her daughter, yeah, man. She's, no. got, she's got her in track. He's like, Dude, you will be great. A track star, and I am so excited about it. Well, you know, my kids didn't – it's not exactly what I thought it was all going to be. My kids uh, big live in Israel. <laughs> they're, they're being raised uh, religious. I have two religious girls uh, that live – that are Israelis. And so uh, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, but they're, they're such beautiful girls. And uh, I, I love them so much. I love being a dad of girls. I think it's so much fun. Welcome to the club. You're speaking to, to both. I have obviously I have three. Amy's got one, and that's uh, it. It does change your life in ways that you can't see coming. That's for sure. Uh, Gosh, yeah. Who who is Subwoofer Zach? I want to hear about Subwoofer Zach. I want to hear about the car that that was in, and of course those woofers were Rockford Fosgates, right? They were ten inch Rockford oh, wow. Fosgates. Should yeah, it was. It, I was that impressionable was very specific, and Carlos. No, because I'm from Miami, well, no, and I know. Rockford Fosgate used to be a big deal, you know. Yeah, I had my mom's old Honda Accord. Perfect. And, yes. Uh, in the trunk, I had uh, two subs. A box, and, right? A box. Uh, I I had they were in a box. That's right. Nice. And I had an amp. I think it was four hundred by two or eight hundred by two. And I would listen to you know like Nelly. On the eight seventy four. Just you were listening to what? what? Finish so that sentence. He was listening to Nelly on the 874. <laughs> <laughs> he was. So, I have oh. to be honest. It's a little, it's, yeah, I look back, it's a little cringy. But <laughs> you know what? I mean, I was going through it. I was figuring it out. My friends still make fun of me about it. Baggy and, pants? Uh, baggy pants? Good thing we didn't I have, like, camera pants? phones back then. You know, like, there would have been a lot of, like, there would have been a lot of evidence for, like, uh, like you know, blackmail. Man, I think it's terrible. Uh, like kids don't have the yeah, opportunity to be cringy. They don't yeah, have an opportunity bad. to be cringy, yeah, or they embrace why. the cringe. I don't know. I, I, like Mike, I'm still figuring uh, out. Like kids... I say, embrace it. Yeah, yeah. embrace it. it. So Zach, when you're hanging yeah. out in Miami, like where do you like to go out to eat? I like your, to go with your to... chef with your chef bros. Which yeah, I know where do you and I've your chef you bros online. go hang out? Um. That really, I mean, we've, I feel like we've gone to most places, but it's really about just us hanging out together and being boys. And it turns into this sort of like boys therapy club of us just needing to be together and vent a little bit and talk about our personal lives and talk about, you know, the, the things that are not pretty maybe that we talk about on social media, right? A little bit more of the, of the harder things. And it's really a it doesn't really matter where we go. We just need to have some drinks and feel some some brotherly love. It's important, and we're all very different. That crew of chef friends that go out and eat, but uh, it doesn't really matter so much where we go. We just we just need some drinks. Amy, you should see photos of these guys. They look like the they look like the cover for the sixth season of Entourage. <laughs> Is that it, right? Is that what it looks like? Oh Entourage? my god! Totally. It's chef you. Bros. Okay, now so it's HBO. so it's I've seen you. Matt Kusher, Jose Mendine, and uh, and Mike Beltran. That seems to be the that seems to be the yeah. What a what? weird the what crew. a weird group we are too. We're so different, all of us, but it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd it's an odd group. No, but I think it's a very Miami group. Like Mike is this Cuban American kid from Little Havana, and and uh, and Matt Kusher is this uh, like Puerto Rican Jewish kid. Uh, and Mending is from from Puerto, also from the island of Puerto Rico, but he's he kind of made his cooking career here, you know, and uh, and he's got his you know his, his sushi restaurants and pub belly, which I'd was my favorite for show. so long. I right, would I would right. Let's make that show. If anybody <laughs> hears that, I would make that show. Make it. No, but guys, here's the thing: if you make that into a show, then we're going to be back working again. What's oh, great God. about that <laughs> is it's for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
There's well, no ca- we, there's no cameras around. We can open up. We can kind of uh, let our our hair down, so to speak. No, no, no. Fictionalized, fictionalized. We don't we, we, we don't need to follow you around. Uh, we'll give you that. We'll give yeah, you no, that. We'll just... we'll, look, we'll get a good showrunner. We'll write a we'll write a treatment. That's it. We're gonna make so much money on this. Uh, Entourage season season six. I don't know, guys. I don't buy it. <laughs> Zach, are I you, don't are, buy it. I, I believe me. Trust me. The photo is. We'll carry it. All right, so let right. me ask you. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a, do you have a bad food take? Do you have any bad food takes? Things that people criticize you for. An opinion about food that people think is stupid. That's what a bad food take is. Like something that most people are like, why? Like ew. Um, I'm not sure I, I understand it perfectly. I can tell you something that bothers me at restaurants. Okay. Um, QR codes. Can we please have a real menu so I can be off my phone at a restaurant? I understand right. during the pandemic because of touchless, uh, all the, but I think it's time to bring back an actual menu. Um, I I go to a, like a nice restaurant and then I have to bring out my phone and look at my thing and do this and you yeah, know. Yeah, that's the, annoying. That's a real pain. I wanna, I wanna, I love the menu, you know, and that's part of the experience for me is to see the menu broadly and to hold it and to touch it. And maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I think that's part of the experience. And I think the QR code lessens that. So. Um, if you want to hear a personal, I guess, uh, peeve of mine is QR codes. I'm not a fan of them. So there's no QR codes at the bakery is what you're saying. No more of that. There, w- there was there during the pandemic. It made, a, it made a lot of sense. But uh, as quickly as we could, we, we moved back to a menu. I think maybe outside they might have a QR code still like lingering. It probably doesn't work knowing us. We're not like we're not great with the, with those things. But uh, you know what I like about your bakery? And I was just thinking about it is that it's. It, it, it's a very much a reflection of Miami. Like you can get a guava and cheese pastelito at your bakery, and you can also get a quote-unquote BLT with like smoked salmon. Like I think that those are all those things live together. Like why was that? Imp- yeah. Is that important to you to like kind of be very reflective of Miami culture? And what else? What else am I missing there? I it's yeah it's it's definitely deliberate. Um, I want us to be a uh, an artisan bakery that is certified kosher, that is carrying on the tradition, but that still has um, the ability to absorb the culture that is growing and changing around us and influence who we are, right? I don't want us to be a museum of what was. I want us to be honoring the tradition while still living in the present and moving it forward at the same time. That's a lot to take on at once, but part of that is, uh, is letting those Miami, Caribbean, Latino influences come inside and influence who we are. And, and to be honest, it's majority of our team, you know, is uh, Caribbean or, or Latino. And there's not many. There's only one uh, observant kosher person here, and that's our mishkiach. That's our, like, uh, kosher supervisor who's here to make sure that we're, that we're staying kosher. Um, besides that, it's, it's a truly Miami team. And I think that's... I think that's beautiful. I think the, the, a community bakery, um, it's fun to have it reflect uh, the people that are out there, the community that's around it. And, and you did something I think it's interesting is that even though you grew up not uh, culturally Jewish but not religious, you, the bakery is kosher. And you could have changed that over the years. You could have just said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to open on Saturday, which would be your busiest day. But you haven't done that. Tell me about that kind of balance and that decision. Yeah, it's true that I kind of stumbled into us being kosher. That wasn't some another deliberate uh, decision that I had. It was because uh, my ex-wife, my ex-religious wife, um, was religious, and that was important to her. And so um, I did it really not knowing what it was I was agreeing to. And then after time went by, that's very I, super, truly, that, that, that's very on point. Yep, that, that's who I was back then. I was getting into things. I was naive, you know. Uh, at a certain point, though, um, it just became who we were. It just became part of our fabric, and um, I started to like the inclusiveness uh, of of being kosher because typically kosher institutions are they're all kind of together in the shtetl where all the other the kosher community is. So then the community typically sticks to the, the kosher area. Um, but we're, we're not in the kosher. Na- 
well, for instance, Surfside right. Or, right. Or, or North Miami Beach. Sure. It's very unorthodox or kosher place to be outside of the shtetl, the community. And that gives them a chance to leave, come, and then interact with the rest of the community. And it, it creates this very unique situation where religious, non-religious, non-Jewish are able to be together. And besides the airport, there's not many places where different tribes come together for a joyful activity, right? Um, the DMV, we all come together, but it sucks. <laughs> uh, so is there a place where we can have like common ground that can be joyful? And uh, I think when our, all of our ACs are working and all of our team is here, we can be that place <laughs> sometimes. All right, viejo, uh, something that we do uh, with every guest is we play a little game of uh, Kiss, Mary Kill with food. So we pick uh, three, three items that we believe are dear to your heart, and we force you to choose which one you would kiss, which one you would marry, and which you'd have to kill off. So, okay. uh, so I'm, I'm going to hit you with three of the items that I, I love from your bakery, and you, and you tell me. Oh, you're picking my items. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you've okay. got to kiss, marry, kill. So let's say arugula, uh-huh. a pastelito, uh-huh. and your bagel. Kiss, Mary, kill. I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, Putting you on the spot. Which man, one do got... I want to get rid of? I don't want to get rid of any of them, Carlos. Well, you have you got to do yeah, it. This, this is the, the, this is this, the, look, the sacrifice. This is the sacrifice. This is the game. Well, the reality is we've already killed the arugula due to our production labor shortages. So oh, no. I guess that was the one. It's coming oh, back. No. It's it's coming back. It's just, uh, you know, this is one of the ways that we've been able to ride the waves that have been thrown at us is by uh, um, reducing our product line and increasing when we're able to, to bring it back. So I suppose that that, that is the kill. Um, he beat the game, Amy. Yeah, he beat he the did. game. He beat the game. He beat the game. I can't believe <laughs> well, it. Well, now right? you got to so marry and you got to Now you got to kiss and marry. You got to kiss or marry yep. a pastelito or a... I don't know. Bagel. I guess like which one do I want to like settle down with? I would, which I would one settle is your, down. Your with everyday the, boo, and which one is your like you know your your side piece? Your cuerno. <laughs> I guess yeah. So the kiss is the the pasalito. The truth is I don't eat a lot of sweets. I'm more of a savory guy. Um, so of course we're, I'm tasting everything, but I'm never like I'll have just a, a touch, you know, and then move on. I I want to save room for the savory, and then Mary, I guess uh, the bagel is very very practical. That's very practical. Which, so what's your favorite item? Like, what is it that you bake, that you guys bake there that is really like your, your the thing that, that is for you almost? What is the thing that is for me almost? Um, I really like our, our sourdough whole wheat bread, uh, especially the sandwich one. And I know that's a really nerdy bread because it's a sandwich bread. And it's, Talk about a it's safe sliced. choice. Well, uh it's it's my day-to-day -day. you know what sure. i do is i take it i freeze it i slice it and then i just take out piece by piece it that's like the workhorse in my house is that sourdough whole wheat that's the it's, one i uh, get at whole foods right that's the one they sell at whole yeah. foods yeah i like yeah. that one because uh, also have, the sandwich I bread to go to winwood for it this one that's too it? right here the this this is the sourdough sandwich bread that sauce is loading up in the in the oven oh, that one's so really good too God, if oh, the audio yeah, podcast folks are, you, they got to get on YouTube to see it because Damn. that looks so beautiful. I want to eat all that bread. All of it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You that's, all, me, that's all for Whole Foods. For you taught me one of the best life hacks ever. And that's, you know, I, I love having like bagels on the weekend. And you were just like, buy the bagels fresh, cut them first and freeze them. And then you pop them in the toaster for, you know, like on a low setting. And then they're just, they're, they're perfect, you know? I mean, that's what I bread. do for my, my day to day during the week. If you want the best of the best, no, you come in the morning and you get the best of the best when everything is in its uh, like a prime moment, at, like an hour or two out of the oven. That's the sweet spot. But uh, practically speaking, like day to day, you know, for those of us that have lives and jobs and things, it's nice to freeze it and have it on hand. Well, Zach the Baker, Zach Stern. Look for his look for his uh, his new TV show Entourage <laughs> no, Entourage colon Bakery Bros. <laughs> bakery Bros. Season oh God, six. guys, that sounds awful. I would never watch that. <laughs> no, I would watch that bakery show. Bros. You would watch this. You would watch. I the would hell watch out the hell out of that show. Zach, thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Thank you so much for making time. I hope that this has been fun and not too cringy for you. <laughs> no, you guys are great. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And thanks for celebrating us and to the community. Thanks for, thanks for pushing us forward. I, I really appreciate it. And congrats on the James Beard. You enjoy it now because one, one of five people in the entire country, that is, that is not a small thing. Those are, that's, a, that's a quite an accomplishment. Top five. Thank you, guys. Podium. Yeah. You podium. We're, we're, we've celebrated. We've all had lots of drinks in the Chaims, and we've celebrated, and we're, we're really pleased to, to be in that rare air. All right, man. Well, thanks again for making time, brother. We'll talk to you down the way. Bye, Zach. Nice to okay, meet guys. you. Take care. Thank you. Deuces. Bye-bye. Bye. Bro, what was up with the gorilla? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, why is Amy laughing? And then I look in the... Oh, my God. And he was, like, talking about something serious, too. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a gorilla in the background. But but honestly, like, like, and the deadpanness of, like, yeah, a guy in a gorilla suit. Yeah, he, he works good. here. It's all he good. He works here. <laughs> well, Amy, despite all our technical difficulties, I believe that... We got that, through a show. <laughs> I believe that is a show. That is a show. That was fun. All right. Deuces. Bye. Bye. Bye.